This is the Wizards Nightshirt Podcast, episode 58. to the Wizards Nightshirt. This is episode number 58. I'm Will, and here with me aboard the alien spacecraft is Zoop 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 uh, 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 Translated, her name is Rebecca. Greetings. And her companion that's the other head on her one body is Loop Translated to Earth words is Scott. Glup Okay, well let's start the show. What a freaky looking. At the Wizard's Nightshirt, we're revisiting He-Man, Masters of the Universe, and She-Ra, Princess of Power. Today, we're reviewing He-Man, Season 2, Episode 85, The Rainbow Warrior. This is also our monthly lightning round episode. That means we'll be pulling out the stopwatch for a quick review of several episodes that happened between our main episodes. As always, you can check out our episode guide on the website if you'd like to follow along. This is gonna be a good one. Did you write a new... Does it always say... This yeah, I forgot to change it from okay. the last time, but then that's Then let me... Allow me to change it. This is going to be a rootin' tootin' humdinger. Which is, I assume, what you would have written had you thought of it. That sounds like me. <laughs> uh, I did change this part. The air date was September... Nope, I didn't change that part. I sure didn't. I sure September, didn't. October. I sure didn't. I'm pretty sure it was October 11th, 1984. And in this episode, Queen Marlena must remember her old space captain training to save the royal family from Skeletor. Before we start, I just want to remind everyone that a long time ago, more than a year ago, I said, I seem to remember that Queen Marlena used to be an Earth astronaut. And everybody in this room, including the dog, thought I was crazy. But here we are, an episode about Queen Marlena being a space astronaut. Well, my favorite part of the astronaut training is the part where they teach you to be very gracious about being correct in pursuit of knowledge. I think Tila and I have a lot in common about yeah. <laughs> about winning and losing. It's and... like sorceress sitting on the throne, very bored, like, that's very good, Will. <laughs> you were correct. Now move so I can watch my stories. <laughs> so, obviously, uh, if we can tell from the description, this is the episode where we get the uh, flashback to see how Queen Marlena uh, arrived on Eternia because she used to be an Earth astronaut. I have to say, um, I, you know, just got a little glimpse of it um, when I, wa- I watched this one on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And the comments, like, you know, people were saying, like, oh, this is, one of, you know, this is a really good episode. I really love this mm-hmm. one. And um, I have to say, just before we get into it, this may be the best He-Man episode that we've seen so far. Anyway, I just, I really, really, really enjoyed this one, Mm -hmm. and I can't wait to talk about it. (laughs) Well, uh, I know we'll make the ratings official at the end, but yeah, I think that was pretty much the consensus that it was a a great episode, an interesting episode. And maybe we can talk about it now so we don't have to belabor it in the middle of the episode, but I was a little confused because there were some things that were a little tonally different. Um, and I almost wondered if they wrote a script for this fairly early on, but didn't produce it until much later in the series or something. 
Did you uh, feel like Skeletor and the other guys were a little funny, a little, a little different? Could be. And this was a Bob Forward script, uh-huh. and he might just who, be his sensibility. Yeah, and he he did a lot of Shira, right? Oh, right? okay, maybe so. And yeah. You know what? Skeletor did have kind of like a Hordak kind yeah. of uh, madcap sort of thing going. And I, yeah, I, and then the, the co-writer Leslie Wilson also on the script. I maybe that also accounts huh. for the tonal differences, but I really, it was different, and it was different for the better. It was, it was fantastic. It was fantastic. I, I don't know. I, I kind of like the interaction between. Oh, I did too. Yeah. I did too. Real, uh, I did too. Real punchy and just, I don't know. Yeah. Good. I mean, not not all the time. Like it would be, it would be too much all the time, but. I, I I think every every couple episodes or something like that, it's it's good. I would agree with that. Yeah. So Marlena will have to call upon her uh, old training to save the day. If we were thinking in our own lives about having to do this, what's something that you used to be good at or had to do all the time that you would feel at least uncomfortable uncomfortable about doing now? <laughs> Lucky for me, I've never learned any useful skills. So, you know, I don't, I don't have to lament their loss. I've, what about your lasso uh, skills? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, my competitive, my competitive lassoing, You're... you know. Oh, um, uh, something that I don't, I did, now I lost it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we had some good discussion about that. Right, riding a bike. Do you still ride a bike? I do hmm? still ride a bike. Okay, I ride right. my bike to the gym sometimes. All right. Yeah. Like that, that's well, I'm just saying, yeah, I mean, you know, some, some people go like 20 years without mm-hmm. riding a bike, and then it's like it's kind of weird when you first get on it. It's true. My sister never learned how to ride a bike, and she tried to learn as an adult, and she was just like, dude, I can't do it. It's too weird. Like, just there was something about it. Like, about, like your kid brain will accept, here's a weird thing I'm doing with my legs, because, like, you're a kid and you're a moron. Yeah, you're But used when to, you're an adult, yeah. you get too in your head about it. It's, it's okay to fall in the bushes when you're seven, but it feels weird when you're older. I will, I will just say, you know what's scary to me that I wouldn't be able to do now? It's some math stuff. Like, I still have nightmares about some math stuff. Let me tell you, the factoring, knowing how to factor, terrifying to me. There's not a, two scary words you can say to me than the FOIL method. I am terrified of factoring and the FOIL method. I don't ever want anybody to ask me how to do it in my life. I hope I never have to save... Uh, a bunch of people from an from island. a deadly parabola. Like where are you? Where's going to happen? I don't think maybe, so. Maybe, maybe somebody first like, outside, inside, last. Somebody, come on, Will. I don't. I wish you wouldn't have said that. Um, <laughs> maybe somebody shot a catapult, and it is a parabola, and I'll you have to do some, uh, some some foil method. I don't know and if I'll you be will, like, man. Like I'll call uh, Scott. Say, Scott, ask ask. Ask your wife how to do this, and she'll be like, "What are you morons talking about now?" And all the people on the island because somebody shot catapult. a catapult in yeah. the island, and you weren't able to do the foil. You got weapon. it. You got I, it. <laughs> I wouldn't say that, but I think I would say like you were in a trivia t- trivia competition or something like that. A life or death it. trivia competition. Not life or death. <laughs> Raise the stakes, Scott. Come on. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's like five hundred bucks or something, and your friends are all staring at you. And they like, need that. Why can't you bucks. do that? F- okay. Why can't you do that foil method? Okay, they're not very good friends. <laughs> <laughs> I like how the stakes are really high in your mind because the only thing I could think of that, like, what did I used to know how to do? Like, I probably mm-hmm. couldn't anymore. I'm thinking, like, play the clarinet. And then it's like, when's that going to come in? Like, when's that going to happen? There's going to be, like, a devil went down to Georgia scenario <laughs> where someone's like, play with this here clarinet. Let me attune what I can dance to. It's like, I'm the best that's ever been. <laughs> <laughs> like, no. uh, so, sorry, my, my reeds broke. My reeds broke. 
<laughs> uh, I don't remember the embouchure. Um, yeah, like it's funny to think about having played. The, okay, first of all, let me just back up a second. If you listeners have children who are getting to be like school band age, please let them pick their own instruments. <laughs> Don't give them the instrument that the older sibling bought one and you're like, I paid for this yeah. clarinet and you're going to play it because somebody's going to play this clarinet and I want to hear some Benny Goodman brilliance <laughs> coming out of this household because I bought this clarinet. Don't do that to your children because I got stuck playing clarinet every day for eight years because... My sister, who can't ride a bike, didn't want to play clarinet anymore. <laughs> um, she wanted them. She chose the clarinet. The clarinet chose me, though, but it's not like the wand in Harry Potter. No, it's terrible. Like, I, I, I reject you, clarinet. I'll choose what I play hot cross buns on. <laughs> exactly. I could have played triangle. I could have played something cool. <laughs> You know. Let me tell you a band director trick that I heard about. I used to, uh, for my like high school assistantship program or whatever, I used to go help uh, teach the middle school band class. And one of the directors told me that what they used to do back in the old days when they couldn't um, get people to play the instruments they wanted, they would deliberately sabotage some of the instruments on the instrument testing day so that the kids couldn't make any sound like, ah, not a sax player, I see. So like with a saxophone or a clarinet or something, you can put a quarter between some of the pieces as they couldn't make a sound like, mm, not the instrument for you. Have you thought about clarinet? That person could have been the best, <laughs> I know. best dang I know. saxophone player trumpet, ever. Trumpet, you turn the valve a little, mm, not for you. Have you thought about bass drum? What, that's crazy. It could have been the next Kenny G right there. <laughs> that's right. I know. What a sad story. <laughs> and Weak. then and then you wind up playing clarinet for years and years and years because something terrible like that. Mm-hmm. And, and then I just decided in college, I was like, no, I'm just going to play tenor saxophone now. So that's what I did. It's very important we have the instrumentation the way we want to hear Good King Wenceslas at the Christmas concert. Well, yeah. Like, why wouldn't your band director make everybody play, like, the good brass instruments that are going to be good when you're in high school? <laughs> They're not far-sighted. They're like, clarinets all around. We love the horrible sound of the clarinet. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dinosaur knowledge. That's, that, that, that's what I wouldn't want to... That's what I wouldn't want to lose. And see, that could be a live or death scenario. Could if be. you went back in time as, you know, like yes. in the time machine. You to might do need cartwheels in front of the dinosaurs to impress them. <laughs> you might need to know some facts so you don't get killed by one. Yes. It's like, oh, I can't remember if Trinosaurus Rex can't see if you stand still. Oh, that's just some garbage. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> it's garbage. Just let anybody know. Just in case you go back. These dinosaurs have feathers. Where am I? <laughs> Fly me to the moon. Let me play among the stars. Let me see. This is Beastman, and I hope Snake Mountain can pick up the palace jousting match. It's starting now. Here's Act One. So we're all, um, we've all forgotten our training, various training, unlike Marleta, who remembers her astronaut pilot space training. Yeah, she is variable, very knowledgeable for not having done it in 30 years or more, or 20 years. Because Prince Adam's how old now? <laughs> 70. We think, we think 30, 30 to 60, we think. 30 to 60. So, so at the least, it's been 30 years since she's flown the thing. And then finally, Man at Arms repairs it after 30 years to put it in a museum. <laughs> Why would you repair it to put it in a museum? I don't know. Why would you just make a make, make a replica? Oh. Out here, our museums have to be ship shape. <laughs> okay, Duncan. Uh, I know printing press works too. It's like I put a magical force diamond in it. <laughs> and look at this cotton gin. 
<laughs> it's a museum. It has to have one. Marlene is thinking about her old training because there is a uh, guard jousting contest going on, and Trapjaw and Beast Man are very interested in watching it like it's um, American Ninja Warrior or yeah. something. What is it that holds your attention more than the mighty Skeletor? A joust. The Royal Guard is having a joust in the palace. A joust? They're peering through Skeletor's viewing orb to watch the jousting match and ignoring Skeletor while Skeletor is being depressed about how his patience is growing thin with figuring out how to attack Castle Grayskull. Oh, I love it was that. hilarious. I love that joke. And he's like, no, no, you're, you're not thin. You're fat. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, I'm not talking about my weight. <laughs> I can't believe that Trapjaw had the gall to insult Skeletor. Like I know. That. that was hilarious. His Skeletor has been lax lately. Right well, out of the gate, this was hilarious. I mean, the, the dialogue was so punchy, and, mm-hmm. then, and, the, and it was high-quality Skeletor abuse, and the fact that they were trying to watch like TV like <laughs> they were at so the bar. Funny. It was really funny. And they didn't show you what they were watching for a long time, so the reveal when he said, you're watching the jousting match, was very funny. <laughs> yeah, this was some real-world building. I really, really mm-hmm. enjoyed that. That was a strong open. So every every year, all the uh, guards around the palace, all the ones that look like man-at-arms, uh, get on the sky sleds and just zip around the palace trying to zap each other for points, which looks really fun. And, uh, of course, the, the person who is hot-dogging and tearing up the skies is Tila. Yeah. And she is just ripping them up. And she's like, ha-ha, 30 points, ha-ha, 10 points. <laughs> Got you. Aha, uh-huh, that's 10 more points for me. <laughs> that Tila sure is a stunner. Tila's very good. You must be proud. Tila's the best pilot in the fleet. Yeah, she's doing good, but her <laughs> attitude is bad. It's real bad. But why is that endearing to me? Well, see, the thing is, it's because it's realistic. Yeah, that's like, it. Like, I, I always feel that they really try to, like, talk down to her when she has a problem in the episodes. But this is her being a turd in a realistic way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she'd be, like, hot shot, like, you know, pilot. And she mm-hmm. maybe have a little bit of a bad attitude about it. That's realistic. Not falling into a crevasse because you were hugging a cute baby animal. That is not realistic. This is realistic, Tila. You were seeing some bad attitude because she is like a top gun pilot on the sky sled, but then somebody <laughs> hovers up above her and shoots down, and she thinks that wasn't fair because her sky sled doesn't have uh, top mounted guns. And so when she, uh, so everybody, like the uh, Adam and the Queen and Man of Arms talking about what a great pilot she is. And when she comes down, Adam says something like, nice shooting, Tila. And she's like, stop messing with me. Like, she's really, really mad about it. Man at Arms like, she didn't mean it, Adam. You were great, Tila. If that's supposed to be funny, it isn't. I lost. She didn't mean that, Adam. Yeah, this is one time where I feel she actually warrants the lecture they give her. <laughs> yeah, she was I a, think they're just always lecturing her all the time. She was a bad loser. She was a sore Very bad loser. So here's where... And then, well, and then, and then Marlena is like, I'll show you something from yeah. the Earth, an, an Earth maneuver or something like that. And she's like, yeah, and uh, and I'm going to do this or whatever. And yeah, it's she, like, totally, and she totally just ignores blew her. blew Marlena off because Marlena had been watching the match and she is talking about uh, the good piloting skills and, and the uh, king acknowledges that she would... She would know about it because she used to be a talented pilot. But Tila is in her own head. And when uh, Marlena offers to show her some tips, she's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway. Sure. Uh, sometime, maybe. <laughs> right. Uh, the, the maneuver was called an Immelman turn. Ooh, cool. That, that she said she was going to show That must her. be somebody they know. That must I'm be an sure. inside thing. <laughs> 
Yeah, so we finally get our flashback mm-hmm. to to Marlena and her uh, crash landing on Eternia. Is this and her deep her deep love of the ship? Oh they, yeah, they, she like puts her hand on it, and then, so they're like, in a museum. It was like freaking cinematic, like yeah, seriously. It was really cool. Ser- like the the I don't know why they were like, let's make one good episode ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, like one serious one, you know. No, like, but I mean, just the, all of the additional animation that they had to do, like all of they had to draw her outfit, they had to draw the ship, they had to design the ship, they had to show her having a relationship with the ship. She had to be piloting the ship there was so much animation they mm-hmm. had to do you know this wasn't oopsie daisy left you know this, this wasn't he <laughs> tumble man, here tumble there he man punched this ting like no <laughs> <laughs> it was it was uh it was good king randor when he's young <laughs> so oh so we were talking about early the museum that's when she sees it they they go to the uh palace museum and they've got like a bunch of wicked looking armors and stuff and they have her old ship that as scott mentioned earlier man at arms had restored so she has her hand on it and that's when we get that flashback so like you were talking about there's this uh asteroid storm and she's trying to pilot the ship through it and it's pretty damaged and it crash lands on eternia young randor without a beard goes and rescues her from the uh ship and she comes out looking i don't know maybe a little like taylor and she's got like a red page boy kind of haircut looking thing is that how you would describe that what kind of haircut would you call that rebecca page boy it's a little longer than page boy i'd, I'd call it a blunt bob okay a blunt bob. oh well, yeah it's more of a bob yeah that's true that's true uh, th- that's an auburn blunt yeah. bob and so like into uh, like linda evangelista in the 90s <laughs> for for practical women that they get they get stuff done yeah, yeah you can put it up if you have to but mostly it's just it's just professional on its own and randor uh, says and, and then you fell in love and and stayed here and so she's feeling wistful about it. And she did some pretty good voice acting we hadn't heard from her. Like, I, it, was a, it was pretty moving. She, The king was talking about how they were going to go to the beach for a feast. And she said she'd like to stay a little longer with the um, with the ship. Yeah. And then, okay, so our last He-Man episode that we did, I made all those jokes about Marlena passing out and having a wine nap because she and Randor were having marital problems. Mm-hmm. And so here, we actually get to see what the source of their marital strife might be. Assuming that that's that the, that that's canon and it is because I said so mm-hmm. and this is my podcast, um, but like it's we see that she's happy on Eternia, uh-huh. but she wants more excitement and interest in her life. Like she doesn't, she's not doing anything important mm-hmm. now. And Randor's just pretty much like, hey, I like things being peaceful, you know. Like I I don't want Skeletor <laughs> right. to attack us like, all the time. Marley, I understand, but it's bad <laughs> when things happen <laughs> like, to the castle. But it's not exciting. <laughs> And, uh, I mean, you know, which is also realistic. That's realistic. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, as realistic as a, you know, it's, it's yes, Earth astronaut and space people. Don't worry about it. But I, mm-hmm. I liked this as a conflict. I thought I did it was too. nice. I did, too. And, and not, to make, not to make light of that, but I assume Randor told everybody's like, do not remind my wife about how <laughs> in the Christmas episode we did find a way to Earth. Okay? No, right? <laughs> we can't do that again. Don't tell her she can go back. <laughs> yeah. She doesn't want to go back. Right, so right, like, right. You know, so like, yeah. we know this now. Although I'm sure like everyone at NASA probably would have appreciated like a, a phone call. She's like, well, I didn't die, but I'm done. <laughs> right. Peace. You know. He's like, we gave her that ship that had those awesome lasers. And... <laughs> like, are you going to be flying that back? one or... of those ships. <laughs> yeah, you can't make it again. <laughs> They're like, okay, Marlena, but that cost a lot of money. A lot of taxpayer money. Greetings! This is Randor, the Fool King. 
and I am easily captured by the buff genius Skeletor in Act Two. Ah, <laughs> uh, there you are, the so-called rulers of Eternia. I shall capture them and... Uh, I thought you were going to attack the forest. Just as I suspected. Hollow! So now Skeletor has updated his plan. It's not to capture Castle Grayskull, but he is going to capture the Wind Raider with the whole uh, royal family on it. So he waits till they get to the beach and are having their feast, and then he sends some robots down there to freeze everybody and scoops them up. I just want to say Orko's sandwich looks delicious <laughs> and humongous. It was like a giant hamburger. And I tried to see all the different food they had, but I, I didn't feel like pausing it. Yeah, that's the only thing I remember is Orko's sandwich was humongous and yeah. There was something that looked like popcorn with a straw in it. But oh, was, funny. I think that was maybe supposed to be like a fizzy drink. When they were uh-huh. panning into the shot, I liked how uh, Tila's voiceover, you could hear she's supposed to have a mouthful of food. That was funny, too. <laughs> uh, also, uh, I don't know if we've seen, Ske- I mean, we've seen Skeletor's ship before. Yeah. But like, I felt like he wasn't sitting on that throne before. The throne is new. And I, this might yeah. be the first time they've like given it the name to the Collector. Um, oh, okay. It's a really cool ship. I don't think they ever made a toy of it. Um, and it's a really good ship. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like they have like prototype models for that. It looks like Darkwing Duck's ship, but a skull. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, kind of. How you paint the picture with your words? (laughs) I do poetry too. (laughs) Baby, you're so beautiful. You look like Darkwing Duck with a skull. Baby, you look like one of the ladies from Count Duckula. Quick, get out of the duck verse. Get out of the duck. Ducks were very popular in the nineties. So okay, fine. Baby, you the prettiest lady at Little Caesars. <laughs> we check back, we're checking back in with Marlena at the museum, and she had this great line when she says something to the uh, ship about how. Uh, you're from another place in time. I guess you belong in a museum. And I thought it was such a great line. I know, it was line. so poignant. Mm-hmm. The, there's some guards that run in with the news of the royal family's capture and say that Skeletor demands uh, surrender. And they had a lot of really good, realistic dialogue for how you would respond to the situation. Yeah, yeah. We have a, um, a lieutenant in the guard. Yeah, he was cool. He, he was cool, and it's also worth noting that they were really openly thinking about diversity here because I think mm-hmm. they, this is, is this the first time we've seen a, a black character who's just, who's not I just think, incidentally, who has speaking part right. in Masters of the Universe in the He-Man program? I don't remember I've seen, seen one. There, okay. was a, there was an archaeologist. Okay. One. So in a lightning round one episode. One person, yeah. And so, I mean, I really do appreciate that they were at least trying mm-hmm. to get a little bit more diversity in, thinking, hey, well, we're having this episode about Marlena here. Perhaps we can show other kids out there that someone in Eternia looks like them. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know. Yeah. Like, I, I thought that was at least, at least it shows that there was some... Um, increasing sophistication and awareness with the show even as it ran Mm -hmm. you know it wasn't just like a here kids here's some toys like they really were working on representation um as the series progressed yeah which i I appreciated yeah i I thought it was really cool too um and yeah so uh you know his point is that since you know captain of the guard and man at arms are both gone we really don't have a solid reporting structure here Mm -hmm. so we don't know what we're going to do. And Marlene is like, oh, I know what we're going to do. 
She, she's got a whole maneuver plan. Our men are willing to fight, but without Captain Teela, our man-at-arms to lead them. Go on. I must know all the details. The palace will take heavy damages. Shall we prepare for defense? No. When Skeletor arrives, he will be prepared for a fight. She, she said she wants every man aloft, which I thought was a pretty cool line. Yeah. And she's going to take take Skeletor by surprise. She's like yeah, a general. a surprise attack. She says, like, I don't want my home to be a battleground or something, mm-hmm. something to that effect. So she's going to get all her, her, her dudes in the sky, and they're going to launch a surprise attack on Skeletor to get back the crew, which I was like, oh, okay. It was okay. fun. It was it really was rousing. Fun. It was fun. And then Marlena, she go in that museum. She gets in that rainbow warrior craft. Her rain, What do they call it? The rainbow explorer. Yeah. And I'm like, get in that ship, girl. Like, get it. You're going to go. You're going to fly. I was, oh, I was into it. it yeah, was, is this, she, hey, can I have a question? Uh-huh. Is this how boys feel all the time? Like when they see a dude do something exciting, they're like, look at him. That's me. Get I'm him. the gladiator. Punch him. Get him. Stone cold. Get him, stone cold. Whoop him, stone cold. There you go. Cold. Now you got it. You got the guys. So that's yeah, how yeah. it feels. Mm-hmm. That's how it feels when you see someone who looks like you and is, and is like you mm-hmm. in some way, like doing something exciting. Mm-hmm. It's a red hair that is like you, right? I Yeah, I, I deeply identified. I was like, get in that plane, girl. Go shoot some fools. She blasted the wall out of the museum yeah, to get out did. of there. It's like, we got to go. Yeah. And uh, and they had this awesome sequence of all the guards sort of lifting up out of like a roof that opens and everything. I mean, it was they did a lot of new stuff. And they were like, we have to wait for the lead ship. Where is it? And then the Rainbow Explorer comes up. It's like, I know a lead ship when I see it. It was a real stand up and cheer moment. Oh yeah, it was it was fantastic. And I'm usually very bored by the action sequences. <laughs> well, they were telling a story. Well, yeah, yeah, no, it, it was great. And again, they had to do all kinds of new animations for this, mm-hmm. you know, and including having her in her little outfit, which mm-hmm. was great. I did enjoy that. Yeah, she had her little astronaut uh, uniform on. Man at arms. In Act Three, Skeletor uses three ships, which is just wasteful. <laughs> Okay, so a minute ago you were talking about Skeletor and his collector. Is that the same thing as a Doom Buster? Is that something no, that's, different? No, that's, that's he different. Had, he had three ships going. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Make ready to attack, men. Beastman, you fly the collector. Trapjaw, you will control the robot ships from the Bashar. And I myself shall lead the attack in the Doom Buster. So, <laughs> There's a lot of toys. So he's in the, the Doom Buster. He's in the Doom Buster. And he's going to... I guess defend against the uh, attack of the attorney and air force. Mm-hmm. You know, we already established that she's there and fighting and everything. But when she first got there, she only blows Prince Adam's cuffs off. Oh right, right, yeah. Because yeah. she sees them chained up there. Um, because well, Skeletor would not allow them into uh, Snake Mountain because yeah. there's too many secrets there. So they got to be but, chained up outside. But the funny part is, as soon as they start getting attacked, he's like, "Get inside!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, so uh, Adam is able to free everyone and then go quietly transform into He-Man. But, see, I even thought, you know me and my Tell Tila campaign, the way that he so quickly was like, okay, get out of here and I'll take care of this. I'm pretty sure Tila knows at this point. <laughs> She's just like, oh, okay, yeah, let me get out of here so I can let you do something important. And then, oh, look, He-Man. Forget it, Adam. You can't break these chains. Go try to find He-Man. Right. So I think she's just playing along. That one point. was, that one was pretty obvious. <laughs> yeah. 
So she's like, um, Adam, go find He-Man. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> go get We'll He-Man. be here. Put He-Man If you on don't the come phone. back with him, we'll understand. <laughs> yeah, right. So this is the first time when I feel like they even tried playing with the fact mm-hmm. that Tila knows. But, like, I would totally buy that now. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so, like, we were talking about they have so many ships in there. I think Skelter's in the Doom Buster. Um, Beast Man and Trapjaw are flying some uh, other ships. Um, there's a lot of shooting back and forth and craziness, but the big moment is when Skeletor flanks uh, Marlena's Rainbow Explorer. Oh my lord, I couldn't handle it. And there's the maneuver they set up that she wanted to show Tila. She flips around and flanks Skeletor and shoots him down with the maneuver she was talking about. Yes, she does. And this whole time when, you know, like they're act- like the, the other people in the party don't know it's Marlena, but of course Randor knows the mm-hmm. whole time. He's like getting amorous. Yeah. You know? He's like, he's, he's, he's like, into it. Who is that amazing pilot? Like that pilot's amazing. He's like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's some pilot. I know. Calm down, Randor. <laughs> like, you know, like, I know someone who can. Like, yeah, you do, Randor. You know. Get it, boy. So when she comes down, yeah, he introduces the hotshot pilot as uh, his wife, and um, Tila is uh, shocked uh, that it's uh, it's the Queen Mar- Queen Marlena, and Prince Adam almost says "mom" when she <laughs> takes her helmet off. <laughs> and then again, you just imagine Tila like silently face palming. She's like, "I I know you don't have to let this. It's fine." Tila said, Tila asked if uh, she'll teach her the maneuver. And she's like, it's like, yeah, we'll do it tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got a hobby now. <laughs> no well, more box wine for me. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was, I thought, I, I thought it was pretty touching. Like the next scene they do, they show Tila practicing the maneuver. What show Tila doing the little loop-de-loop. I thought that was really, really cute. I thought Did it was they? really funny. Yeah. At the end? Yeah. Oh. Right when they go back to the palace. And then um, we get that really neat exchange where um, Adam asks her about freeing him first, and she hints strongly that she knows he's He-Man. Yeah, and she and, says you know, something. And also, about, I knew that you would know what to do. Mm-hmm. Yes, a mother knows. And she says, "I've always been very proud of you." You know, yes. sort of hinting that Randor's hard on him, but she knows what he's doing. It's so sweet. Mm-hmm. It was so sweet. And as an added bonus, there was no moral at the end of the episode. Like, you know, like not that, really. That would have been very jarring. It'd be like in this episode, we learned about how Marlena needed a real hobby so she wouldn't be sad anymore. Like, you know, <laughs> what I mean? like we that would have been dumb. And I'm glad that there wasn't one included. There. They had a little scene that you could call a moral, sure. but, it, but it was more of like um, showing everyone has something to teach kind of thing. Yeah, it was it was really great. And um, I, mean, I will say this is as close to perfect as an episode mm-hmm. of He-Man can be, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. I don't think they could top this. Mm-hmm. If they do, I'm, I'll be very delighted. <laughs> but I was surprised from the beginning how great this one was. So Rebecca, this this is fair to say you you're giving it the high score, right? Does this get I, this, the honor? This is the highest score I've ever given, which is four point nine. I'd okay. say. I mean, you know, just because I have to leave some room in case okay. in case there's a better one. I, I don't see. know. I mean, you know, but I uh, I just I genuinely enjoyed it, and I you know will say it is very important 
to see people who look like you on mm-hmm. screens represented because mm-hmm. it was it resonated with me in a completely different way than other shows like other episodes of the show do right. and more like a Shira episode which you know that I genuinely and thoroughly enjoy often mm-hmm. and so again like I know now everyone is very used to there being tons and tons and tons of media to choose from and like you know you feel that there's a lot of democratization in creators and content creators and what audiences you can speak to and you know how you can speak for your own particular cultural and geographical um, experiences that's really awesome about the world we live in now but that wasn't the world we lived Mm -hmm. in when we were kids you know that's like something relatively recent and uh i just think it was really really sweet how they um how they gave marlena her own little episode and it was a good one it was great it was a good one so anyway that's all so you said 4.9. 4. 4.9. 4. I just, I, I'd give it a five, but I'm, I gotta leave him a little headroom. For 4.9 4. jousting pay-per-views. There you go. Out of five. Well, considering that I have given a perfect five score to two Trolla episodes, I can't in good <laughs> conscience not give this one. So I just, you know, since it's all over the place, I, I will, I will echo your thoughts. I, I thought the representation was was really cool. I thought it was uh, a lot of care into this one. Like, not only was the plot put together well, they had great character moments and they had some really moving parts. It had great action. Um, it, it, it was just a really great script. So, yes, I, I will give it a four point nine or five. I would, I would say. Oh, okay, we just call it a five. Yeah, we'll call it a five. I, I thought, five. It, I thought it was very good. I'm rounding up. Scott, there was no looky, but <laughs> how did you feel about this one? <laughs> One point now. <laughs> um, no, I, 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 I did really enjoy this episode. I was going to give it a, a four point eight. Mm-hmm. I thought the whole the whole thing was very interesting with uh, Marlena, and I don't know. It was good the the, whole, the interactions between Skeletor in the beginning. It was just it was there's there's a lot of good to this episode that I don't know. I can't really say anything bad about it i mm-hmm. guess i don't know the music cues were bad <laughs> but no i i well i know you you know we talk talk about how you know it's g- good seeing them try to try new things a lot of the times and they had a lot of good new animations and stuff i mean there 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 was also just like at a technical level it was even good it was just yeah i mean good. yeah I, I i don't know what it was like it was weird because even like even like some of the you 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 know how they i don't, I don't know if it was this animation studio they they used or what but you, you, sometimes i think they try to like show more emotion in the face uh-huh. and it just looks terrible mm-hmm. and then this one like like when he-man's climbing up a rope and he's hooked on beast man's you know uh whatever ship his hair's flowing behind him and like and it actually looks good like it looked really good and i i don't know i yeah i liked it so excellent excellent episode good job writers and directors and animators excellent job Okay, it's time for the lightning round. Everybody wanted the trumpet to come back. Uh, we're watching all the trumpet's these... about to get lost. <laughs> <laughs> we are watching uh, all the episodes that happened between our main episodes. I think this is our ninth uh, lightning round this time. Uh, we've got a lot of 
good stuff in here. We got uh, some lying people. Uh, I think Orko probably shows up here at some point. We got some uh, hermit and the uh, widgets. We got a lot of lot of good stuff to cover. So let's get to it. <laughs> okay, Will, are you ready? What you what do you got for us? Okay, this is episode one of eleven. I'm reviewing season two, episode eighty-seven of He Man. Things that go bump in the night. Bump. It is King Randor's birthday. Orko feels bad because he messes up his present for Randor. So he goes outside and sees Randor's secret present, which is a Strato Blaster Flyer machine. Of course, Orko has to start it up. He ends up crashing into the garbage in uh, Snake Mountain. Uh, we meet a twerpy prince named Prince Glitch who joined up with Skeletor because he wanted to venture and become more uh, uh, brave. Uh, Skeletor and his crew are practicing walking across a laser balance beam. Evil Lynn tries it. She does a little twirl at the end. It was really funny. Prince Glitch is too scared to do it. And um, so uh, Skeletor makes fun of him. And he leaves. Tila finds Glitch in the Snake Mountain forest, and he's difficult to deal with. Adam says, I was never that hard to get close to your Duncan says, oh, there were days. Adam tries to bond with Glitch, who says he wants to overcome his fears by spending time with Skeletor. Skeletor broke his viewing globe and blames it on Clawful. Adam falls down in the woods, and Glitch says he's going to the forest to get help. Glitch's father shows up and attacks everyone because he's confused. Skeletor tries to embarrass Glitch and dares him to walk the laser beam to save his father. Skeletor is a fair sport and doesn't turn it off. He-Man breaks Skeletor's habit, staff and jettisons him back to Snake Mountain. There's a long discussion about getting some lunch and laughing. And the moral is, Adam says uh, he was afraid of the dark when he was little. <laughs> What? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, was I supposed to rate that one? Rate it. Uh, Glitch is pretty funny. Uh, I'll give it um, 3.8 laser balance beam twirls. All right. Next we have... Two of 11. What are you doing, Scott? Oh, it's me. Hey! <laughs> two of 11, He-Man, Season 2, Episode 88, Three on a Dare. Okay. All right. Do you dare? Okay. Tila takes out three teens out to the forest. Orko gets a new wand and destroys the uh, new voice transmitter so they lose all communications. To repair it, they need to go to Snake Mountain and uh, get pure rainbow quartz. Tila and the teens almost get eaten in the forest. For some reason, Prince Adam and Cringer go to Snake Mountain, not as He-Man. Uh, the teens take, take the Wind Raider on a joyride you're gonna leave Tila with no communication. Skeletor picks up Tila. The teens joyride right into Snake Mountain for some reason. Uh, Prince Adam finally changes to He-Man and uh, beats up Merman. Uh, Tila, Tila meets with uh, the teens and they get caught again. He-Man shows up, defeats all of Skeletor's minions, uh, saves Tila and the teens, grabs some rainbow quartz on the way out, and uh, the moral is never do anything as a dare. <laughs> that was perfect timing. That's yeah, really funny. Um, oh, a, a two point two point eight double dog dares. Okay, that sounds tough, that sounds but really fair. funny. I, that sounds like funny bad. Yes, it was. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, good to be bad. a lightning round episode and not mm -hmm. a regular one. Yes. All right, Rebecca, you got three of eleven. What are you talking about? He Man, season one, episode eighty nine. Just a little lie. Okay. Oh, all right. Lie to me, like Johnny Lang. <laughs> what Johnny Lang references? What is our world? Who's that? Oh my! Don't oh, don't okay. worry about it. I'm resetting my time. <laughs> <laughs> Ten seconds in. 
You're done. Okay. 10 seconds down. Here I go. Okay, so Prince Dal of Diberia is visiting Eternia, and like a dumb little kid who went to camp can't shut up about camp, and mm-hmm. camp is his own land. And so Orko is desperate to impress him, and so he has this stupid little trinket that he says is a star crystal and will make Dal invincible. And Dal is an idiot in a rube, and he believes it, and he's going to try to go get this crystal to his dad, who's trying to fight the torques. Okay? So, idiots. Orko keeps lying to cover his traps, to cover his tracks, and Dal steals the crystal, which results in Tila getting wrapped up by spiders. It was weird. And torques capture the party. He-Man tunnels out of the torque jail while Battle Cat distracts them by acting cute. That was the best part of the episode. (laughs) Dal gives the star crystal to his father, King Stefan, who's also a rube, believes about the crystal, challenges the torques, and so now they all have to fight, and Orko's a moron, and they do. They fight, they cleverly trap the torques back in the cavern. Orko learns not to lie. The moral is that lies escalate, so don't do them. 3.3 star crystals out of (laughs) 5. So bizarre. Orko's Did he got pronounce a it Stefan? With... I, I think it was Stefan. I don't remember now. Okay. I'm blocking it out of my Orko's got a problem with giving people little uh, fake objects of power. He really does. <laughs> he just really desperately wants to be liked. It was insufferable. Yeah. I should have rated it lower. <laughs> <laughs> uh. All right. Four of 11. Scott, what are you talking about? Uh, I'm talking about uh, He-Man Season 1, Episode 90. One for all okay okay uh it opens up with the villagers harvesting produce and some space pirates arrive these guys are pretty awesome bunch of characters tila and prince adam happen to be hanging out in town and tila ran after a girl that was yelling for help he-man saves her and turns back into prince adam uh krenzer runs into prince adam and he loses his sword to one of the space pirates uh, the lead pirate shoots sticky tar from his fingers. I, it's real weird. Uh, and, and traps Prince Adam and Tila. Uh, they, tr- they, they trick the jail guards and escape. So the pirates re- release, a, release the tracker, which is a beast that looks like a giant aardvark. Mm-hmm. Um, Prince Adam throws a bag of pepper at it, and it cannot stop sneezing. They get away. The band... Uh, they band the villagers together and uh, to get their crops back. Cringer steals Prince Adam's sword back because he felt bad. Um, Adam turns into He-Man, beats all the pirates, saves the crops. Sticky Fingers gets away in the ship, and He-Man tosses a giant chain and rips off the back of the ship, and Orko makes uh, Man-at-Arms disappear. Uh, uh, the Moro's cooperation makes things easier. <laughs> oh, my. Um, I... 3.8 frog eye patches. Okay. Um, the, the only reason I rate it so high is because the pirates were so cool and yeah. like okay. the character building of it yeah, was yeah. was real neat. There was like five or six of them and they actually did a really good job with them and they weren't just like throwaway. Uh-huh. I don't know. It was good. Good character designs. Yeah. Cool. All right. I'm doing uh, five of 11 in reviewing He-Man season one, episode 91, Jacob and the Widgets. All right. All right, Tila's testing a rocket booster with Cordite and showing the widgets how to use it. And she goes, wee, as it goes up in the air. When she comes down, the widgets are holding her hand for some reason. Tila nails Squinch with a ball at the beach. Merman wants to test out some sea monsters on the boat and terrifies an Alan Moore-looking fisherman who has a rope belt. He-Man calls the monster a robot and busts it up. Tila <laughs> says, does anyone know this man? Talking about Jacob, the hermit Alan Moore guy. And Adam says, no, I don't. And the man's right there. Merman says monsters would work if he had 
uh, Koradite, but old man Jacob's mad that he didn't have his uh, fishing pole and boat saved by He-Man. The widgets struggle to move Jacob in the chariot, and he says, not a lot of progress going on. <laughs> They're ruining his work, becoming a good hermit. Jacob is later moved because a widget found his fishing pole. Uh, the widget Koradite mine is filled with seawater. Merman's uh, emerges to demand some Koradite. Tila and He-Man uh, fight him a lot. He-Man eventually says he needs to change the tide of the waters. Oh, I guess I'll have to control the moon. So he goes up there in the Wind Raider. He drives uh, to the moon and shoves it, and the water goes down. The hermit says he learned people can be kind and stays with the widgets who need them. The moral, Tila says something about Jacob being the mayor, which was news, because I didn't have anything. <laughs> Jacob was the mayor of the widgets after that, I guess. Oh, okay. So, so that was news for us. Update, update your uh, dossier on the widget kingdom. <laughs> That sounds pretty bonkers. Mm -hmm. that was that's, a, oh, oh, that was kind of fun. Yeah, that was good. I would give that one a uh, four point three. Um, old men in the sea. Okay, well, I also had a widgets episode, which is funny that they did two in a row. Well, I hope the dog doesn't try to make a bed through your entire uh, <laughs> report. <laughs> well, see, I was talking about how he scrunched his bed all up, stupid, and then and he's going to be about it. So there he goes. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so I had a widgets episode two. I had uh, uh, He-Man season one, episode 92, The Littlest Giant. Okay. So it's the widgets. Okay. So, Squinch is getting bitter because he's small and he can't be a hero. And to be fair, maybe he has a point because when a tree falls over on their fort, they signal He-Man and He-Man refers to the widgets as his little friends, which is very patronizing. So Squinch has a heel turn and he goes to Skeletor to ask Skeletor for magic powers because he's like, I need some powers, I don't have any. Although to be fair, really he's just a dope. Like he doesn't know that like bad people do bad things. He's kind of a moron. So Skeletor laughs at his offering of coins and he's going to go to the dungeons but Evelyn intervenes and she gives Squinch a dirty deed to do she says deliver this package to He-Man and she will grant his wish his wish so Squinch summons He-Man while Adam is in his nightgown uh, which is funny He-Man opens the gift from Evelyn and it's sleep magic so Squinch Orko and Tila go to rescue He-Man and Evelyn says she was expecting visitors and they get him out and back to the palace where they trap Skeletor Panthor and Beastman by making them into a loaf of bread it was good and it's okay to be who you are 4.1 instant breads out of 5 awesome that sounds really funny <laughs> it's okay to be who you are it's okay if you're little that's awesome okay. alright we're looking at 7 of 11 Scott what are you reviewing it is me uh, <laughs> He-Man, season one, ninety, episode ninety-three. Uh, Trouble is my middle name. Okay. Okay. There's a sunstone in a temple that helps uh, regenerate old sick people. They use the last of the sunstone's energy, and they have to recharge it. He-Man, Man-at-Arms, Tila, and Battlecat are in the attack track to go uh, to the ceremony to recharge the sunstone. Oh my God! No Gator is back. He came out of the computer. Uh, they <laughs> run into the giant glass bottle orko opens it and a creature from tr other part of trala called uh cardanian uh, the land of the practical jokes um oh, no. if you uh if you say his name he will go back to trala though so you have to find out his name but he won't say his name it's like rumpelstiltskin uh battle cat uh grows a huge mustache which is hilarious <laughs> the team gets gets to the sunstone temple for the ceremony prankster stays outside the temple and the gator gets in there and grabs a sunstone uh prankster thinks it'd be funny and uh to make rain and stops the sunstone from powering up negator is then sucked into the sunstone he man blasts the blasts the storm cloud away 
and the Sunstone powers up again, and Prince Adam tricks Prankster uh, into saying his name, and then he disappears. Good lord! It was it was a it was a whole lot of stuff. Sorry. It's uh, like uh, three three point four Prankster robots. All right. Uh, his name was. Uh, do you want to know his name? Yeah. Yes. Uh, Rock Rock Woe Prinky Rocko Prinky. What? It was wow. yeah. I can see how that's going to be a problem. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Weird. All right, we're moving on to Shira now. This is eight of eleven. Season one, episode fifty-three, unexpected ally. Okay. The horde is taking a lot from villagers with their new tax collector, General Sunder, who is a handsome man with a Roman centurion look. Okay, and a good soldier, according to Adora, who used to know of him. Um, like a, an honorable soldier, which is weird. But they're, they're going with this villager named Mally to rescue her parents who've been taken prisoner by the tax collectors because they didn't have enough money. So the rebels do, and they're successful, despite Mally only having a tunic and no pants. Uh-huh. But Bo gets captured, and then Shira surrenders in order to get Bo freed. She surrenders to Sunder because she knew that he would, like, honor the bargain. Okay, so Hordak's mad that Sunder kept his word. Then Sunder sasses Hordak about taxes, so he's a different kind of hordesman. And Hordak's in a mood, and he traps do- trap doors everywhere. Everybody. So we see Loki in the Fright Zone, and then um, the Rebels mount a rescue for She-Ra. Even Glimmer does well, but then Sunder comes and unlocks the power chains off She-Ra, and they talk about having a cause, which is freedom, and there's an atmosphere. And Sunder joins the Rebellion, and She-Ra dumps a hay cart on Hordak. But then it looks like Sunder and Mally are going to be a couple, so that drops us down to 3.9 tax collectors out of 5. What, what was all this talking about having a cause? Sunder didn't seem like a good guy in one of the earlier episodes I saw, so that's interesting. Well, he he, he has now joined the okay. Rebellion. That, so. I like that kind of thing. That's kind of neat. Yeah. Oh, and then at the end they had him take off his helmet, and then it's like, well, put it back on. <laughs> he looked better with it. Okay. I'm just... All right, fashion advice. Fashion advice. If you have a Roman centurion helmet, it's going to look pretty cool mm-hmm. when you have it on. It looks less cool with your dumb face. I'm just saying. It's a lot of look. Mm-hmm. All right. What you got, Will? This is 9 of 11, She-Ra, Season 1, Episode 54, The Light of the Crystal. Okay. In this episode, Catra captures some elves to work in her crystal mines. One elf is named Storm, and he runs to find She-Ra. Catra picks up a chalice, and it turns into Imp, who thinks it's real funny. Uh, there's a rock <laughs> robot named Granita who meets Storm, and uh, she agrees oh, yeah, to take him to uh, She-Ra. We meet some wood elf man who throws his voice. He's a prince named Archeon. He says he seeks good times, unlike his father, the elf king. We never learn why he's not elf-sized. Um, Imp disguises himself as a stick, and Bo throws him in a lake, so Imp tells Catra he has a headache, and she says, you are a headache. She-Ra gets caught <laughs> in the crystal and Scorpia captures some rebels. Granita frees She-Ra and Stonedar frees the rebels. She-Ra tells Archeon that growing up doesn't mean you can't have fun. Catra's jet has a mouth that scoops things up like big plastic salad tongs. And uh, She-Ra punches into it and makes it eat destructo tanks. And the moral is, um, let's see, Lucy says something about, here's your friend Lucky. Uh, parents are special and say thanks. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Uh, I, I like this. I love the rock people too. I, I, I uh, Three point nine salad tong spaceships. We already reviewed episodes fifty-five and fifty-six of She-Ra during uh, previous episodes of our show, but now moving on to ten of eleven. Rebecca, what do you got? I've got She-Ra season one episode fifty-seven, Jungle Fever. Okay, so Adora gets captured by the Horde and manages to escape into the jungle where her daring acrobatics makes her fall and have temporary amnesia. So she, while she is amnesiacing, she 
happens upon a jungle boy who is fighting a beast and she lectures him about animals, but then she gets captured by the entire village of the dudes with face paint and fur bottoms, and then she impresses them by communicating with beasts, and then she's also going to solve their water scarcity problems, okay? And they're against the beasts because of water scarcity. So she teaches the villager kids about nature, and then I tuned out because I couldn't remember the word for fur bottoms worn by barbarians, and I kept thinking of sarong, and that was not correct. And so she repushed a mountain, and that solved everyone's problem. Now they're not beast warriors, but beast protectors. And it was real preachy. So I give it three barbarian fur skirts out of five. When I finally remembered the word I was looking for was loincloth. So I'm not thrilled about my brain. I give my brain a one out of five on this episode. Not not my favorite. Okay. Okay. All right. So this is the uh, last of our lightning rounds. This is 11 of 11. Scott, uh, take us home with what? Uh, She-Ra, season one, episode 58. Black Snow. All right. Okay. Uh, She-Ra visits Frosta to find out what's going on. She-Ra sees the snow is black and the sulkies, which kind of look like um, otters, um, (laughs) want to start a war with Frosta's people. It's only the black snow on their side. Frosta uh, blames the horde. The black snow is making the animals sick, and uh, they attack She-Ra and Frosta when they try to go... uh, look where the black snow is. Multibot is controlling a ship and is making the black snow, and Modulok is the one that's controlling Multibot. Uh, Modulok is in with the Sulky Prince, and the Sulky Prince wants to start war and capture Frosta. Uh, Multibot is sent to get She-Ra and does not uh, do a great job. She flies up to Modulok's ship. Uh, Frosta escapes from being captured by the Prince. Uh, she busts through Majulak's ship and defeats him and she stops the black snow from falling and reverses all of it so it turns to white snow and saves saves him and stops the war. Cool. <laughs> um, and uh, Loki's was dress warm and not get sick. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Loki doesn't even watch the episode. Uh, it was uh, three point, or 4.3 black snowballs oh, okay I, I, I didn't think it was that bad i i kind of made it seem like that but modulac was awesome yeah uh multibot was kind of silly but it was it was funny and we never get to see kind him. of he a good toy. yeah it was modulac was crazy though because he could he could change his arms too like Ooh. but but they were you know like uh like like um hordak and stuff but they weren't robot arms i don't know it was just weird um but it's pretty neat I don't know. I liked it. I, I liked him as a bad guy. Cool. Okay. Well, we're making tracks with that. That was uh, lightning round number nine. Uh, good stuff. That's our show for today. Next week, we'll review season two, episode 12 of She-Ra, The Caregiver, in which Adora's childhood nurse retires to join the rebellion, but is shocked when they don't offer her a 401k matching plan. If you'd like to follow along with the show, you can find our episode guide at thewizardsnightshirt.com. If you have questions or comments for us to discuss, you can email us at rumors at thewizardsnightshirt.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram and subscribe to our show on iTunes. Or you can tell Alexa, play the Wizards Nightshirt podcast. We want to thank you for listening, and please remember... Uh, Italian Museum takes donations. <laughs> I punched and I kicked and I blazed it all night. 
spaceship. Right, boss. Wrong, boss. <laughs> 